Welcome to Gifts of the Weird. I am Jan, your host, and with me is Kunivertus Kus, an author that I am very excited to have on the episode with me. I got to meet Kus three years ago, or two and a half years ago, when I was in Germany at Frithforge. We had a really great visit with him in the center part of Germany and got to learn some really cool things about Frau Holle and visit a very sacred place there to her in, in Germany. Hus is a Dutch author residing in Germany. He has previously written as Garden Stone and writes about topics of historical and spiritual practice of the Germanic peoples. His books include Gods of the Germanic Peoples, Wild Hunt and Furious Host, Nihilenia, Goddess Hola, and Germanic Magic, and that's not all. There's a lot more. His materials are available in German, Dutch, and English, with Goddess Hola and Germanic Magic being the latest to be translated into English. His books and writings are listed on his website, which will be linked in the show notes. Hus, welcome to... Thank you. What a nice welcome. Like I said, I'm very happy to have you with us and to talk about all of your writings, but really I want to talk about the latest two, Germanic Magic and Goddess Hola, which just recently, well, came out like late last year in English. So uh, um, we really look forward to these books coming out, and I got to work with you a little bit on Germanic Magic, and I have to say that was a, a lot of a lot of work, but it was a very interesting process, and I enjoyed being able to do that. So um, what prompted you to write a book about Germanic magic, and in this case, um, specific uh, working oh, on the runes? I had, a, in my eyes, a real good reason for it, because after first studying many years ceremonial magic in its varying forms, I had build up my own system of practice and I started to teach that to students but after years my mood to do that decreased quite heavily and my solution was to write down my ideas the whole system and approach in a form that beginners could have a fair start in studying it and after that, that had been done, I felt free to change my focus on other things of my interest. And that's, uh, that's the reason I wrote it. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that you had taught runes before, so that's um, very interesting. Uh, how did you gather the information that is so plentiful in this book? There's so much in there. Um, did you get it from lore? traditions that you practice yourself or have heard about or kind of a combination of both? Um, how did you come about all of this wonderful Much of material? my practice of magic, I learned from several teachers I had. That was a, a long period. Other things I developed myself. You know, the core of, core of my approach of magic can be called chaos magic which is heavily focused on magical experiments. And I connected and merged my knowledge and practice of modern magic with the runes of the Elder Foothog and Germanic lore I knew of, and worked several years to make it to a, a coherent practical system. Yeah, this was a long process again. So yet, 
Yeah, it's, it's a combination of many things that comes together. Wow. Yeah, it's great when you can have all of these things that have been a part of you for so long to be able to make it come together and, and to share it with other with other folks, um, which is a blessing to all of us and just an amazing, amazing stuff here. <laughs> um, so you go into a lot about history, which is I learned so much reading through the history of the Germanic peoples that you provided. And then you go into some of the mythology and then the the runes themselves. What are some of the ways that you decided to put some of this material together in oh, this book? Well, in fact, a lot of things. Uh, mm, I found it necessary to put a lot of background information, but also practical rituals and invocations to use in, in practice or as examples for the reader's own developments. Yeah, but that's not, it was not, was not enough. It's a system of rune forecast, including interpretations of the throne runes and uh, also runic calendar system. Oh, well, so much more. It's all meant to use in, in all day magical practice. I'm not a seeker of light and, and um, enlightenment. I'm a practitioner, not a mystic. For example, some people have good connections which can be used to reach some practical goal, such as a job on which is to apply for. Others haven't the connections to pull strings. Instead of, or even in addition to good connections, a piece of magic can be used to support the application. But if someone is seeking enlightenment or universal peace, then my system is not the best way to achieve that. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that you mentioned using magic and runes as part of that magic for everyday life to support the things that we do. That's uh, something that, that I practice and like to tell or encourage people and, and teach when, when I do, because sometimes I think people only hold certain magic or runes for only special occasions or very big things they wish yes. to do. <laughs> and, and we can well, do it. Just... You can do it every day. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, in in the runes, I when you discuss the runes, you have so many very cool and interesting parts to the way that you share it with them. Connections to deities, elements, herbs, trees, animals, and numerology. So you really help create a way for someone to explore very many ways that runes can be a part of their magic and their practice, yes. Um, yes. which is very cool. One of the references that you make a lot in the book is the term Germanics. And I think a lot of times people focus more on Norse. And here you're using Germanics as a term, a collective term. That may perhaps confuse people. So can you explain how you use the term Germanics, who that includes, and why you're well, in your writing? the use of runes and involving uh, gods the Germanic peoples worshipped makes it Germanic. 
and that were not just the Norse people. Uh, in, in the first part of the book, uh, the historical part, um, you see that um, many rune finds come from um, the European continent and not from Scandinavian areas. But the core of the magical practice, however, is uh, is not from those old days. That is, it is a modern development. So you may call it a modern system of rune magic. When I thought possible and appropriate, I merged modern things with pieces of ancient mythology. And that, again, is the mythology of the Norse peoples. But um, because I do, did not want to focus just on the Norse peoples, well, they were not the only ones who used runes. I call it Germanics. And that uh, includes all the Norse and the people who lived in the first uh, six centuries on the continent in the tribes you know of Batavian, Saxons, etc. It's all Germanics. Yeah, I like that term because it does help to be very um, inclusive so it, it doesn't separate out. It makes it more clear as to the how far and wide the runes and the, the folklore and the t stories that we have go all the way from Germany, north and west to Iceland and and even beyond now in modern days. So, um, so I like to ask this of people um, to just understand and get to know a little bit. How did you come to a relationship with runes and the Germanic gods and goddesses? And do you have a particular uh, deity that you work most with or that works most with you or someone more local? First of all, I, the deity the, the I work most with has nothing to do with the runes, and that is uh, Holly. But uh, the other part of the question, you know, to be, to be honest, I don't know that anymore in detail. Too, too many decades have passed since I became interested in Germanic peoples and their runic writings. It all started already even before I started to study to become a school teacher, even before that time. Um, so that may be over 50 years ago. But I think, but don't hang me on that, I think it, it started with reading historical novels. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that does historical novel, novels and those references to those practices and gods and goddesses, I think, influence a lot of people. They certainly influenced me in my youth. Um, although I did have a Christian upbringing, I still read a lot of those novels and even fantasy novels about gods and goddesses and was always fascinated with <laughs> those things. I, I'm <laughs> and, addicted to fantasy books. <laughs> yeah, um, and so it, to me, it just, it, I, I like to think that it kept the door available for me to explore more as I got older. Do you, so when it comes to runes, you have some really good information, and a lot of times there is controversy or people who don't like to accept modern use of runes, 
or even modern interpretation of runes, do you think that the meanings of the runes that we use today should or are only found in the old rune poems, the three that we have most access to, or to something older? Or is it okay that they change a little bit over the years with different people? (laughs) (laughs) I cannot speak for all existing approaches of rune magic. But my own experience and that of my former students and feedback from people who used my system, it works well for all of them. But, but it needs a serious restriction. My, my approach of magic is a so-called ritual or some ceremonial magic. It is less based on intuition and spontaneous inspiration, but rather on well thought out aims and the way to their realization and a very good preparation. But but even these things are pretty worthless if no or not enough basic skills are learned and trained. And that cannot be learned in a couple of weeks or months. So coming to the point, if skills and knowledge are present, the runes can be used in magical practice very well today and at at the end of the book i have a practical introduction uh, in training such basic skills Mm -hmm. excellent yes i have been studying and working with runes for 11 years and i still feel that every few months or a year or so they always show me a little something different and new (laughs) Something that I just think that that's the wonderful thing about runes is, like you said, you can't just pick a book and um, read short descriptions of each rune and say, okay, I am, I have all I need to know now. No, 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 no. That's why I, in the end of the book, give some uh, training suggestions in uh, concentration, which needs needs a more than uh, common level. Uh, imagination, visualization, uh, such things, such basic skills, uh, they need to be trained, um, be more than generally is used. Um, one of my teachers um, gave me a concentration uh, exercise. Um, I had uh, to sit completely motionless for five minutes. It cost me lots of time. Uh, to succeed and after I succeed it it became 10 minutes and only after I could sit motionless complete motionless for half an hour my my, my teacher said that's enough you trained it uh, now and then but now we get uh, to the next piece well try out to sit completely motionless for several minutes that is a kind of concentration you need to practice seriously uh, ceremonial magic with runes, but also without runes. Yeah, sitting motionless for five minutes is a very difficult task that cannot be often done right away. Well, but with visualization, it's the same thing. You can visualize for your eyes something. Many people can do that. If you try to keep that visualization for your eyes more than a few minutes, um, then it becomes 
as difficult as the motionless motionless sitting and and such kinds of basic skills to to bring them up on a much higher level as normally used in all all day life that's uh, are things that are needed to practice magic generally ceremonial magic uh you're right and just in uh, concentrating and for visualization even when not doing magic just to connect to uh, the nine worlds or to when we're learning about the runes and learning their resonance and their their power their magic their relationship that takes a lot of that type of visualization and sitting quietly and and still and yes. in stillness so a very very good thing and the book it's just about the practicalness of the book this is not a hundred page simple guide to runes this is a very in-depth with uh, over 400 pages of wonderful material and you you include music notes and chants which are wonderful yes. um, <laughs> Another thing that I really enjoy about the book that I received from you is the color photos uh, and images that are throughout the whole book. They really, they really help the visualization of the material, and I, I just want to thank you for in taking the extra time to include those uh, as part of the, thank you. Of the material. Thank you. As for as for the music, um, people ask me some something they they can't read the notes. And in, in a primitive way, I have the melodies uh, in small um, files on my computer. And if someone needs them, they can get them. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Or we can just make up our own tunes uh, with the with the chance that you have there. Maybe somebody can just come up with something that the runes inspire that's them themselves. Better. Yes, <laughs> right. But um, what are you really hoping that readers and rune students will be able to get from the book as they oh, study it? Oh, oh. Well, um, people who are first of all interested in historical topics concerning the runes will find a fair start for that in part one of the book. And together with the sources that are at the end of the book, they will in enough material find to find to study for a couple of years others again may be mainly interested about the appearance of runes in in myths and in sagas the part two of the book gives a rather comprehensive overview of that and if that is enough there too it may invite to further own investigations and i hope people do that um, part three is about rune magic today, and I really hope that there are also will be at least at least at least two or three readers who want to go the way to begin become a good rune magician. The book gives support for going the first steps into magic in general and for the use of runes. Um, others who do not want to go that long ways still can use very well the rune oracle described or the system of name and partner runes and others again may use the book for a well-founded critical reflection to enrich their own views and approaches so yeah coming to the question i i only can hope that the book will be of use for the reader in some way or another.
I think that will not be a problem. <laughs> I think a lot of folks will find a, a lot of, and like you said, you have three parts here. It's almost like having three books in one and three parts of a program where uh, it's just really great to uh, have all of this all collected together. And do you prefer working with one of the Futharks over the other? Uh, for instance, the elder or the younger? Uh, is there a preference for, for, or you just work with one no, more than I the other? I only work with the uh, elder Futhark. Not with, not with the Scandinavian, not with the Anglo-Saxon, and not with the Frisian Futhark. Okay. And, yes. and mixing them uh, is, in my views, not a good thing. And uh, well, if you take the the the, the, uh, the Scandinavian foothog, there are less runes in in that foothog. So if you want to use them magically, um, you can't use my book. Well, because in one rune there, uh, the more things are comprised than in the, the elder foothug, which are which is spread over more runes. And, and, and on the other hand, if you take the Anglo-Saxon foothug, which are over 30 runes, uh, then you need uh, again uh, an other approach. Then each rune there has differs from 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 the rune of the elder foothug magically. So that needs for for. For the Norse or, the, or for the, for the um, Anglo-Saxon or the Frisian, it needs another approach. My system, my system does, doesn't work with them. I see that, yeah. That's a nice clarification to say that the systems work within their own approach and uh, it's good to, to uh, work with them that way. I like that. Let's, uh, unless you have a, a final thought about Germanic magic, we can move on to um, yeah, Goddess Hala. Okay, this is a very in-depth book, and it's actually a revision of a book that you released some years ago. How did the uh, revision come about? Did you intend to add so much more material, or did it just happen because uh, so much more is uh, available? Well, in fact, this the second revision. Uh, the first edition of Goddess Halle was published in 2002, and that was only in German. And in 2006, the next German edition was published, and it wasn't in 2011, the English translation of the second edition came, and the book you have there is, the, well, 2019. That is simultaneously in, in English and German. In the beginning, uh, I told you um, the, the the DTI I work most with, I honor most is is Holla, and that means after writing a book about her, um, you you can't um, you can put put the, the topic aside because it um, was much more than just legends and and such things. It it was my my living religious practice so um it kept um the goddess kept me busy and more material came and even more material came and new views were published and well of course i collected all of that eagerly well between the the first german and the second german and english edition is there was much much in in the in the very first edition that was said many times just in, in different words by 
different researches. And in, in the second edition, I cut many of the such duplications, which made uh, the second edition smaller as the first. Um, but then since 2006, I gathered, gathered a lot of new material, uh, much more legends from, from different parts of Germany and, and bordering countries. Uh, talked with lots of people. Museums, museums had exhibitions about it. Yes, and then um, I thought it's so much new material. Uh, it's overdue time uh, to make a new book of it. And 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 uh, the the book you have is not just uh, a, a little bit edited, but it is uh, in my my eyes, it's a new book. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it is filled with a lot of really great information from the stories you have to poetry and even recipes. The recipes look very oh, good. They taste good too. <laughs> I, I I suppose you had to experiment them all uh, before oh, you could put yes, them in the book. Oh yes, we did more than one more than one time. <laughs> That's great. For for those of us who may, or for those of the listeners who may be not quite sure who uh, Frau Hola is, can you briefly explain a little bit about who she is? Because the rest they can learn in the book, but just briefly, um, who is she? And we hear about Hola and Perta and well, Berta. My, 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 my personal answer is Hola is a goddess from the Germanic peoples who lived on the European mainland. Yeah, well, yeah, she appears in, in sources from the Middle Ages and subsequent centuries. Um, not only from my own feelings, but, but in major from the sources I uh, consulted, they indicate that she was not a rather unimportant goddess known to a few locals or in, in a small region, but apparently she was uh, venerated throughout big parts of Germany. Uh, Germany. Um, yeah, names of, of Holle, Holda, Hulla, Perchta, Herke and many other names, obviously are all pointing uh, to the same goddess. This may be due to differences in regional dialects, and um, but on the other hand, also to later intermixing with remnants of Norse goddesses in local and regional folk knowledge. Because, for instance, the name Frau Frick is such an intermixing. Um, it is um, accepted that Frau Frick, Frau Frick is a name for Holle. But the lore about Frau Holle was mixed up with the Norse goddess Frick. Um, it, it is also quite possible that initially it was not done by the common people themselves, but rather by the authors who interpreted it that way. All those myths and legends are just a few centuries ago written down. And in that field, there is a lot of airy guessing. Uh, similar may uh, apply to the name Fru Gode, which is also a name of, of Holle. It is thought that uh, Gode is in some way an intermixing with Woden. But th- hmm. that again, uh, that may um, put in there... Uh, by authors and not by the by the uh, rural people who uh, from uh, whom they got their stories 
Um, there's another point that should not be left out. Many of the law about Frau, around Frau Holle, including the different names, may have been distorted by clerics in their attempts to get rid of her, or at least to put her in a bad daylight. And the, mm-hmm. the contents of many folk tales from German-speaking regions, including the Alpine area, support that kind of distortion. Yeah, uh, very great. And folks can learn all more detail by getting the book because it is very detailed and also has wonderful color images and photos. Uh, so, Hus, one of my wonderful experiences is my time in Germany at Frithforge in 2017. And big part of that is the little journey that I think nine or ten of us made uh, with through the country there and the first stop for us was uh, with you and your wife Hanalore and we visited the Frau Holleteich and that was such a, a peaceful and amazing place can you explain a little bit the significance of this body of water and to Holla and to people let today? me think uh, it is it, it is assumed over here that the Frau Holle pond came in its existence already during the ice ages I cannot give a date not even roughly but to say many thousands of years is safe it is a small standing water fed by a well about in the middle of the pond and that pond was probably already in, in stone age a kind of natural sanctuary because tools made of flintstone were found there in the pond and because that place was less suitable as a permanent dwelling those tools were prob- probably not from people who had their their dwellings the, there were also golden coins found there from the first century of the common era which also supports the sanctuary role of the pond in that time so the pond is, is very old and has a long history as a sanctuary it felt like a sanctuary yeah. to me when i was there and going up being able to go close to it to hear the little streams sending water down into the pond and uh, seeing that beautiful statue that is there as well Oh, it was really, really great, and uh, it was a really blessing to have you tell us stories while we were there. It did feel very, very magical and very yeah, ancient. I to enjoyed me. it too. <laughs> so, Hus, thank you so much for both of these wonderful books. I am looking forward to going through each page and deeper. I, I have both books, and I, I reference them and look at different places I have just not read from beginning to the final <laughs> page, but I will. Well, I have read from the beginning to the final page of Germanic Magic once when I was working with you on this, but uh, now I get to read it from a whole different perspective, and that will be really great. How can people order Goddess Hola and Germanic Magic and any of your books and well, publications? Well, I, I think the, the easiest way is to go to my uh, to my web uh, page, Buddhika, and um, in the menu, Buddhika, there, there is a topic, and an I Item books and under that menu item all my books are uh, listed with, with uh, small uh, uh, pictures and clicking on a picture opens a new window and then some things are, are some information about the book is given and 
and um, at the end there are um, options for ordering. That's the simplest way because uh, there are books that are um, best for order at, um, at a worldwide bookshop uh, called Book Depository and other books uh, can uh, order um, directly uh, with me. Uh, if they want uh, a book, a book autograph, uh, well, the, the several ordering options are um, also uh, on that uh, pages of my, my my website. And there's more than just books on your website. You have some writings, a portion where people are reading stories, and they can get audio files to listen to stories being yes. told in English. That is. <laughs> really a nice way to have more than just books, but we have other wonderful experiences as well. And hearing stories is really a beautiful way to experience from a whole different perspective. In yes, the stories, the, I call them small podcasts. And the idea came as uh, due to the isolation of the, the, the COVID-19. I thought if people uh, sit at home um, they also can keeping their thoughts on other things by listening to uh, nice legends. So I had some people who um, who read for me um, aloud legends um, recorded and and um, I put them on on my my website. But that are your all kind of 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 legends or folk tales and uh, quite a few more are waiting for uh, for people who also uh, would like to read aloud a few for me and all the part of the website are articles i not do not only write books um at the, mo at the moment I, I focused more on articles and um well, sometimes i i offer them to uh, to, a, to to a magazine but most of them i've published uh, on my website Yes, so there's a, a lot there for people to access and to look at. And uh, and here is the difficult question because uh, you have done so much work already, so I'm not pressuring you, but what is on your schedule for the future? <laughs> yeah, uh, I have several projects that are attracting me. Um, one of the first is I will heavily revise my small German book about mist witches. In, in German, it's called Navelhexen. And um, I will also make an English edition of it. Oh, that would be very um, interesting. But um, in, in, at this moment, um, a, a kind of... Uh, German edition of uh, Gods of the Germanic Peoples um, is in 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 uh, preparation. It's almost ready. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. after that, I'll start with um, re revising uh, Mist Witches. Yeah, over the last six months, I've rebuilt my web website from scratch, and I'm still busy expanding it with new material and new sections. Um, one more. Um, I wrote some articles which are published on my website and in a magazine, such as one about the people of the Sarmatians, who in late antiquity settled in German and Gaulish regions. And uh, they, um, the article dealt with uh, the influence of uh, the Sarmatians, who were uh, a people from the from the Asian steppe. Their influence about uh, on the Germanic peoples. And also on the Gaulish. And 
I'm writing that is almost really an, an article or a longer article about heaven, heavenry paganism or how you call it, which is all mostly meant for people who are no pagans or heathens, but also, of course, for pagans and heathens. Uh, an article about the Lorelei is in process. Do not know where to publish them. Yeah, but uh, to uh, to prevent an, a, a next question from you, my dear friend, I do not have plans to translate my book about the goddess Neolinia in English. That, that <laughs> would cost me too many years. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I did buy the book in Dutch so that I could try to make my way through it uh, with my slowly improving uh, conversation skills in the in Dutch itself. Uh, yeah, that's great. And thank you for all of the works that you're you're working on and the many cool things. The website is beautiful. I really like it. It's easy to use. The links are very well explained and the material is uh, great to access. So thank you for all of the hard work on this. Uh, it does work very easily oh, for me. Thank you for the nice words. <laughs> Hus, uh, thank you so much for joining me and for these wonderful books and for m me to be able to be a part of them in some way. I just want to say that the two volumes of Gods of the Germanic Peoples sits on my shelf so that I can access it regularly and often. It's a very good resource. So I can, I, I can recommend it very highly to get it and to be sure to uh, enjoy all that it has in there because uh, it's a very good resource. So thank you for joining us and for uh, the great books that you've written. Thank you. Well, that was a great discussion with Hus, and I'm really excited about reading through the books uh, Germanic Magic and the Goddess Hola even more in-depthly than I have already. So it's a really great experience. Before I do the outgoing messages and uh, as a send-off, I want to uh, announce the outgoing music that I'm going to be playing at the end of the announcement, which is Heil Dir Holla by Birgit Knorr, and it's sung by Birgit. Please enjoy, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at Weird Gifts, Facebook, at Gifts of the Weird, and on Instagram, at Weird Gifts One. Check out the show notes for links. And hail the gods. Heil der Holle, Heere Mutter, 
Heil der Halle, hohe Frau, Heil der Halle, Heere Mutter, Heil der Halle, hohe Frau. Gib uns gute Arbeit heute, Gib uns gute Arbeit nun, Gib uns gute Arbeit heute, Gib uns gute Arbeit nun. Heil der Halle, Heere Mutter, Heil der Halle, hohe Frau, Heil der Halle, Heere Mutter, Heil der Halle, hohe Frau. Schild anscheinen deine Flocken, Schild anscheint der Schnee im Land. Schild anscheinen deine Flocken, Schild anscheint der Schnee im Land. Heil der Holle, Heere Mutter, Heil der Holle, hohe Frau, Heil der Holle, Heere Mutter, Heil der Holle, hohe Frau. Bade mich in deinem Brunnen, Brunnen bringt mich in dein Land. Bade mich in deinem Brunnen, Brunnen bringt mich in dein Land. Heil der Holle, Heere Mutter, Heil der Holle, hohe Frau, Heil der Holle, Heere Mutter, Heil der Holle, hohe Frau.